Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky this is the united soccer coaches podcast it is presented by league apps and i'm super proud to be with each and every one of you and i'm super proud of this show we kick things off by giving the microphone to art hernandez who is a key part of the latino soccer coaches community he did an interview in Spanish, mind you, so we're breaking barriers as well. And please know that if you don't speak Spanish, stay with the interview anyway, because at the end, Art Hernandez breaks down the interview with Natalia Astrain, the head coach of the U.S. U-17 women's national team. What an impressive woman who also works in TV as well. Again, it'll be Art Hernandez in Spanish with Natalia, then he'll break it down in English at the end of his interview. Before we sign off and go to commercial, we drop in Cassidy Weiss that talks about an amazing new recreation coach membership program with United Soccer Coaches that only costs $25. Are you kidding me? Talking about being the home for all coaches as Jeff Van Dusen says, Cassidy Weiss will break that down even before we go to our first break. Coming out of that first break, we're so pleased to be joined by Brandy Chastain and Cynthia Cervantes. What a great example of the power of mentorship. Cynthia Cervantes, Brandy calls her Cindy, was a part of the 30 Under 30 program. Like Art Hernandez, she works closely with Mauricio Lozado and the Latino soccer coaches community. She is such a wonderful woman. You'll hear Brandy Chastain say the same thing and we'll also get caught up to date on all the great things Brandy Chastain is doing. After her, I am so pleased to be joined by Isang Jacob, who played such an instrumental role in the Black Soccer Coaches Legends event on that final Saturday night in Philadelphia that I'm sorry, folks, I cannot stop talking about. Isang Jacob last year was inducted as the first class in the Hall of Fame for the Black Soccer Coaches. His background is amazing, coming over from Nigeria. Isang Jacob is on the show. Then we go to the training ground and Becky Burley, where she does an amazing character breakdown with Anson Dorrance. You'll be able to see that on the training ground. She'll talk all about that and all that she's doing with What Drives Winning. And then we end by meeting another member of our 30 Under 30 class. He just got hired by the USF women's soccer team, led by Denise and Chris Brown, Noah Rhodes, 30 Under 30 program. That's our show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. 
Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and as you know, I never mind turning over the microphone to our incredible coaching communities. That includes our Latino soccer coaches community and Art Hernandez. And this is Art Hernandez. I am so pleased to represent the Latino soccer coaches community on this week's podcast as I interview Natalia Astrain, current U-17 U.S. Women's National Team head coach. The interview will be done in Spanish, but I will summarize her thoughts in English at the end of the interview. Buenas tardes. Estoy muy contento en poder traerles esta podcast que gracias a United Soccer Coaches a través de lo el Latino Coaches Community me han dejado traer a esta invitada de, de honor. No tenemos a alguien eh, muy especial y con mucha experiencia, mucho conocimiento, alguien que ha trabajado en clubes muy importantes a nivel mundial y también ahorita está trabajando con la sub-17 juvenil de los Estados Unidos. Eh, Natalia, por favor, cuéntanos un poco más de tu trayectoria y de lo que estás haciendo ahorita. Uh, hola Arturo, buenas tardes. Pues nada, lo primero, gracias por, por invitarme y a participar. Estoy encantada de, de poder estar aquí contigo. Y bueno, un poquito, yo creo que has explicado bien... Yo soy de España, tuve allá trayectoria en equipos incluso eh, pues de mucha solera, como son el Fútbol Club Barcelona, el Atlético de Madrid. También colaboré con la federación y me vine para Estados Unidos hace cinco años. Entonces empecé en clubs de fútbol base, academias de fútbol base y tuve la oportunidad de, de moverme a Kansas uh, para ser asistente del equipo profesional de la NWSL y luego el año pasado en, en noviembre, en el 2021, pues empecé a trabajar con, con la federación y eso es lo que me ha dado la oportunidad ahora de, de esta última temporada, pues trabajar como bien has dicho, con la sub-17 de, de Estados Unidos Y bueno, con la sub-17 acaban de, de, de haber un mundial en uh -huh. India yo sé de que realmente no es algo que se sepa, o sea, sea un conocimiento uh -huh. eh, global, pero un mundial, o sea, no cualquier persona va y entra en un equipo que va a jugar a un mundial. Para empezar, ¿cómo se vivió la calificación y cómo uh -huh. se vivió en India la competencia eh, en cuestión del de trabajo uh, que, que se hace como entrenadora en este, en este caso? Sí, pues mira, la calificación la conseguimos eh, gracias a ganar la CONCACAF, la CONCACA fue en abril del año pasado y tuvimos la oportunidad pues, de jugar contra México, Canadá, República Dominicana, Costa Rica, bueno, con todos los equipos de, de CONCACAF y, y ganamos ¿no? en Dominica, en, en Dominica Republicana. Perdón. Um, entonces eso nos dio la oportunidad de poder calificar para el Mundial y el Mundial se disputó en octubre en la India. Entonces estábamos encuadradas en el grupo con Marruecos, con Brasil y con India, que era el, el, bueno, el país que, que lo celebraba. ¿no? O sea que yo creo que fue una experiencia y poder estar encuadradas en ese grupo fue algo muy bonito porque tuvimos la, la oportunidad de, de jugar el partido inaugural y contra el, el equipo del, del país organizador. Y, y bueno, cuando uno va a visitar a, a países, ¿no? eh, aquí en la misma CONCACAF, cuando fueron a la República Dominicana, y luego después a India, y luego jugar contra, contra ese país, que, que es la sede, 
¿Cómo se vive en esos momentos? ¿Cómo es la recepción adentro de la cancha y fuera de la cancha? Mira, pues a nivel personal, para mí fue como un sueño, ¿no? Toda, yo creo que todo entrenador tiene el sueño de, de algún día jugar un mundial, ¿no? Y la verdad es que el primer paso que fue la CONCACAF fue algo muy bonito también porque eh, juegas con todo países de, de habla hispana. Yo me sentía pues como en casa, ¿no? Muy, muy cordial, todo el mundo, la comunicación fantástica, un respeto increíble. Yo creo que la organización fue fue muy buena y el nivel de, de partidos que se dieron allá fue fantástico y luego pues en la India pues imagínate viajar a un país totalmente diferente a nivel cultural yo creo que fue una experiencia para las jugadoras y, y para el staff, no solo a nivel deportivo sino una experiencia personal ¿no? esas experiencias que te marcan yo creo durante toda tu vida porque tener la oportunidad de viajar a la India pues pocas veces pasa ¿no? entonces Además, pues estar encuadradas en ese grupo, como hemos comentado, que era la sede, bueno, la gente fue maravillosa, cómo nos acogieron, los detalles que tuvieron, cómo nos cuidaron y luego el momento yo creo mágico para, para las jugadoras y, y para, para el staff, ¿no? porque yo creo que fueron momentos que no pudimos evitar las lágrimas de emoción, fue en el partido inaugural, en el momento que se inauguraba el Mundial, pues todos los actos de celebración y, y ver a todas esas personas de, de la India que habían llenado el campo y, y para, para vernos, ¿no? para ver a su equipo también, pero, pero también nos animaban muchísimo. Entonces fue algo como una experiencia muy, muy bonita. ¿no? Que de, a mí me gusta hablar siempre de lo que supone el fútbol ¿no? o el soccer, que no es solo un deporte, que trasciende a, a tema personal y con todo lo que podemos ayudar con el fútbol y cómo podemos impactar. Y, y para mí el poder estar en un país como la India y, y ver que ese campeonato trascendía no solo al tema deportivo, sino al tema social, pues yo creo que fue algo muy bonito. ¿no? Y yo, creo que, yo veía las caras de mis jugadoras y además... Lo hablamos mucho en, en, en reuniones porque yo quería que, como, entre, como entrenadora, ¿no? como head coach, yo quería que ellas fueran conscientes, que vivieran la, la situación y la experiencia como algo único en su vida. ¿no? Porque estoy segura que muchas de ellas van a llegar al primer equipo porque el talento es increíble, pero nunca tienes 16 a 17 años otra vez y esta es una experiencia como esta. Entonces yo les hice mucho hincapié y hablábamos mucho de, de vivir el presente. Estamos aquí, ser conscientes de, de esta experiencia porque me parecía algo maravilloso que además fuera en un país como la India que, que ves que tienen falta de recursos, que había mucha pobreza, pero sin embargo la gentileza, la amabilidad, el cómo nos trataban, pues pues iba bueno, a otro nivel. ¿no? Entonces es bonito también que las jugadoras que quizá tienen no tienen problemas a nivel económico, pues ver cómo hay otras carencias y otros países que tienen esos problemas y, y que a veces pues el poder hablar con alguien, el darles una camiseta, el, no sé, el, el sonreírles o, o, o el poder firmarles algo, pues les, les, les cambiabas el día, ¿no? te sonreían y era algo pues que, que bueno, es un simple detalle y, y les cambias yo creo que, que el día para, para muchos de ellos. ¿Y cómo prepara a sus jugadoras para este momento? Porque se dice fácil, ¿no? Vamos a inaugurar, vamos a jugar un partido, es un mundial, tranquilo. No, <ríe> no. Es, yo me imagino que es algo muy, si no difícil, algo que tiene que uno estar sumamente preparado para, para poder eh, dar ese tipo de, de dar la energía, uh -huh. dar la inteligencia para poder tomar esos momentos no necesariamente con calma, pero por lo menos eh, saber de que, ok, 
aparte de la inauguración, aparte del show, aparte de todo, todavía se tiene que jugar. Entonces, sí. no podemos estar muy arriba, no podemos estar muy abajo. Uh -huh. ¿Cómo manejó esa situación? Pues mira, lo, lo trabajé con, con ellas eh, con, en los campamentos anteriores, o sea, ya yo cogí el, el equipo en, en noviembre y entonces hice como el campamento de noviembre, febrero, con CACAF y verano, ¿no? Tuvimos esa oportunidad de concentrarnos con las jugadoras y en todos ellos um, hice como un workshop uh, de tema psicológico, ¿no? Siempre preparados pues para para el tema de, pues no sé, de cómo visualizar o cómo regular el estrés en competición, qué, qué pasa si fallamos en algo y que no estaba previsto, ¿no? O, o cómo trabajar el, la constancia o la perseverancia o resiliencia, ¿no? Todo este tipo de cosas que muchas veces las oímos, pero que realmente luego dices, bueno, ¿cómo, cómo vamos a trabajarlas, no? Porque realmente son... son eh, cosas que, que lo podíamos aplicar y que nos iban a servir bien. O sea, que hicimos mucho trabajo con ellas en este tipo a nivel psicológico de preparación y luego también pues con tema de partidos, eh, exponerlas a nivel competitivo alto. Por eso en verano fuimos a jugar a España, dos amistosos contra España, uno contra Alemania, jugamos contra Japón también en, en Dubái, o sea que era un poco también el exponer a las jugadoras al mayor nivel competitivo posible para que luego ellas lo supieran gestionar. ¿no? Entonces, lo que sí sabíamos y todo el mundo era como un acuerdo que los primeros minutos del partido inaugural iban a ser minutos de, de un poco de incertidumbre. ¿no? Por eso yo pedí también al cuerpo técnico y a las mismas jugadoras que no tuvieran a prisa, que no tuvieran ese pánico de decir, bueno, las cosas no están saliendo bien los primeros minutos, era algo que ya lo sabíamos que iba a pasar, o sea que yo creo que también ellas, tener el plan preparado de que, bueno, si al principio no estamos nervios, al principio las cosas no salen como, como estábamos esperando es normal, yo creo que esto les aportó mucha tranquilidad y, y, y esos primeros minutos de, de nerviosismo, pues al final ellas le dieron la vuelta y, y fueron capaces de de aplicar y de jugar el estilo de juego que, que queríamos, ¿no? O sea, que yo creo que fue un trabajo conjunto a nivel psicológico, a nivel de hablar con ellas en muchas reuniones de, bueno, de la verdad, ¿no? Oye, va a pasar esto, porque a veces queremos evitar las cosas si no las hablas y yo como entrenadora creo que es mejor que la jugadora sepa qué es lo que se va a encontrar en el, en el campo para poder gestionarlo, ¿no? O sea, que fue un poco de trabajo psicológico, trabajo táctico y trabajo de, de hablar con ellas como, como personas adultas. Es como lo que dicen, ¿no? Es exponerlas a esas experiencias, exponerlas hasta el poder tener la experiencia de fallar o de no lograr algo que se propusieron. O sea, esas experiencias tienen mucho valor en cuestión del de crecimiento, en cuestión de lo psicológico. Obviamente hizo muy, muy buen trabajo ahí. Ahora, usted también tuvo la oportunidad de ir a Qatar a vivir el Mundial eh, de los Hombres. Uh -huh. Cuénteme un poco de esa experiencia, cómo la vivió desde ahora sí que desde, la, desde el estudio. Sí, bueno, pues la verdad es que Telemundo, que es la, la cadena que retransmite en español para Estados Unidos, pues contactó conmigo para las Olimpiadas hace dos veranos y estuve trabajando con ellos y bueno, la experiencia fue muy positiva, así que cuando llegó el Mundial de, de Qatar, pues se pusieron en contacto conmigo que querían que querían pues bueno que fuera allí a comentar los partidos en español ¿no? y bueno me pareció una idea rompedora y, y bastante revolucionaria no por lo primero por ser mujer 
en un país como Qatar y, y lo segundo por, por ser un mundial de hombres, ¿no? Porque vemos muy, muy, muy poquitas mujeres, sí como comentaristas, como periodistas, pero no como, como expertos, ¿no? Como personas que puedan añadir análisis al partido, ¿no? Entonces me pareció algo rompedor y la federación la verdad es que me dio pues el visto bueno, me aprobaron el poder ir, así que estoy muy agradecida a la federación también que me permitió el, el poder compaginar las dos cosas y ya ya me fui, o sea que nada, con nunca había nunca había vivido la experiencia de, de un mundial a este nivel, así que fue una experiencia fantástica, ¿no? El nivel de fútbol y bueno, y el poder estar allá rodeada de, de muchos monstruos en el sentido de que mucho mucha gente, muchos exjugadores eh, que, que tenían eh, fantásticas experiencias, ganadores de Copa del Mundo, estaban allá y tuve la oportunidad pues, de, de aprender y de escuchar a, a muchos monstruos, como digo, en, con todo el cariño de, de que son personas que, que han conseguido un, muchísimas cosas en el mundo del fútbol. Y cuando usted entró a ese entorno, entró ahí al estudio con ese grupo, ¿qué, ¿qué fue ese momento que le, que le dio, que le dio como ánimo? Digo, ah, aquí voy a estar bien, me voy a divertir. Pues mira, la, la, lo bonito de estar allá en el Mundial fue que comentábamos los partidos desde el estadio, ¿no? Entonces, el, el estar allí en la grada, en las... Eh, las gradas que la FIFA pues prepara para, para media, ¿no? Estábamos allá pues todos los medios de comunicación de todo el mundo y yo estaba con los compañeros de, de Telemundo y solo el hecho de, de entrar al estadio, ver el campo y luego la energía, ¿no? Cuando ves los, los equipos calentar, pues es esa energía que tú también la sientes como entrenadora cuando estés en los partidos, pero claro, esto es a otro nivel, ¿no? O sea que sí que me, me gusta mucho la pregunta que me haces, ¿por qué me hizo pensar eso? Pues no sé, fue el momento yo creo que de entrar al estadio, de ponerte el micrófono y de que empezara el partido y sentir toda esa energía no solo de los jugadores, sino también de los espectadores, de los comentaristas. Yo creo que había una energía tan bonita de, de todo el mundo para, para disfrutar de los partidos que al final también te contagiaba y... Y la, la verdad es que el sentimiento que yo tuve es de sentirme privilegiada. O sea, sentirme como, guau, soy, estoy, soy privilegiada y súper afortunada de, de poder estar además comentando en español, ¿no? Para, para una cadena de, de Estados Unidos. Así que eh, me sentí muy, muy especial, la verdad. No, pero, o sea, qué bonito, ¿no? O sea, qué bonito que, eh, así que todo, todo alineó para, uh -huh. que, para que haya destacado en, eh, en ese rol de analista. No desperta. Y, y bueno, ¿cómo vio la final? Mira, yo antes de llegar a la final, um, uno de los puntos importantes o momentos especiales para mí fue comentar los partidos de España, que tuve la oportunidad y fue también como algo especial. Y luego tuve la oportunidad de comentar la semifinal. ¿no? Y entonces eso fue como un hecho histórico porque una mujer comentar la semifinal de, de Francia-Marruecos fue como algo bueno, bastante inaudito, ¿no? Y luego la final no me tocó comentarla, uh, la pude vivir desde la grada porque la televisión nos, nos dio entradas y todos los compañeros pudimos disfrutar. O sea que fue increíble. Uh, bueno, no te puedes ni imaginar la, la, la intensidad, cómo animaban. Bueno, tres cuartos de campo eran argentinos, ¿no? Y los que no éramos de Argentina, pues también apoyábamos a Argentina, pues por supuesto, ¿no? Por, por la por la identidad, por la claro. habla y porque, bueno, pues yo una vez que, que España no, no prosiguió adelante en el torneo, yo dije, pues que gane Argentina, ¿no? Al final, claro. 
O sea que estábamos allá como muchísima gente animando a Argentina, muy poquitos de Francia y, y, y la energía fue, fue increíble. Y fue un partido tan bonito, como dices, a nivel futbolístico. Yo la verdad es que no recuerdo un partido de ese nivel en una final de, del Mundial. ¿no? Fue como eh, Argentina parecía que, que ganaba, pero luego Francia, muy buenos jugadores, ¿no? muy buenas combinaciones a nivel de equipo. No sé, la, la actuación de Di María, por ejemplo, yo tengo un, un gran recuerdo de la primera parte de, de Di María, ¿no? Todo el mundo habla de Messi, pero por supuesto está a otro nivel, pero el hecho de ver jugadores que, que también te gustan durante toda tu vida y que realmente pues, lo, lo hacen bien en una final, pues también estaba muy, muy contenta por, por Di María, ¿no? Y, y bueno, y fue, fue súper bonito. Yo creo que todos lloramos ahí en la grada, ¿no? Por, por toda la intensidad de cómo transcurrió el partido y por el hecho de que al final Argentina, pues, que es un país hermano, pues, pues pudo ganar. Claro, no, sí, y bueno, o sea, y nos, así que nos mantuvo hasta el final, todos ahí atentos y, y, y bueno, ¿no? es un momento muy bonito. Y, y bueno, y hasta en mundiales a veces no se viven, no se viven igual. Entonces, eh, ¿qué sigue para Natalia? A ver, cuénteme. Pues mira, yo continúo ahora con el grupo de la, de la sub-17 y entonces ahora nuestro objetivo es empezar a trabajar para la CONCACAF y mundial del 2024. Porque los mundiales en estas edades, tanto sub-20 como sub-17, son cada dos años. ¿no? O sea que entonces ahora pues ya lo que he hecho es en, en, en enero estuve en, en Florida viendo campeonatos, ahora me, me toca pues empezar a, a mirar jugadoras, a, porque ahora empiezo a trabajar con un grupo nuevo para mí, que son las de jugadoras que serán del 2007, o sea que hasta ahora yo estaba seleccionando 2005 y 2006 y ahora pues puedo seleccionar 2007 y 2008, ¿no? entonces es un, es un trabajo un poquito a largo plazo porque tenemos toda esta temporada y luego la que viene, el año que viene, en el 24, pues tendremos otra vez la CONCACAF. Y, y bueno, los tres primeros en CONCACAF califican para el Mundial, ¿no? O sea que ahora lo que me toca es, pues eso, tener a las jugadoras controladas, ver a nuevas jugadoras, dar oportunidad a, a jugadoras que, que están a un buen rendimiento y empezar a trabajar con el grupo para, para, bueno, para poderlas preparar, como hicimos con el anterior grupo, pues para, para hacer una buena actuación en CONCACAF y, y ojalá también en, a, que nos califiquemos para el Mundial. No, y me parece muy bien. Eh, le deseo mucha suerte. Le deseo mucha suerte. Que, y aparte de suerte, usted está muy capacitada. Entonces, yo sé que va a ser muy buen trabajo. Eh, esperamos eh, muy buenas cosas. Y un consejo que nos pueda dar a nosotros en cuestión de estar preparado para esas oportunidades que no sabemos cuándo nos lleguen o que ni, o, ni siquiera sabemos que nos van a llegar. ¿Cómo uno se prepara para esas situaciones? Bueno, yo creo que, que siempre hay que, que estar positivo y a veces las cosas no van como, como uno quiere, ¿verdad? Y a veces tenemos pues, decepciones en un trabajo o en un proyecto que, que no sale, pero siempre hay alguna persona, hay alguien que te conoce o algún contacto y o, no sé, con, yo creo que el, el consejo es estar visible, poder tener una red de, de, de contactos, eh, poder hablar con la gente, poder participar 
pues como habéis hecho vosotros con la, en la convención ¿no? de, de, de entrenadores, todos esos eh, eventos que te abren eh, un poco las miras, te hacen aprender y a la vez te ponen en contacto con, con otras personas, yo creo que es, que es muy importante. ¿no? Y luego, pues si, si te llega la oportunidad, pues atreverse. ¿no? Yo eh, pues también me daba un poquillo de cosa al principio, Buah, ir a, a Qatar o a comentar para la televisión, pero... Bueno, pues al final te atreves, te lanzas y, y al final las cosas salen bien. O sea que yo creo que es estar abierto de mente, tener, cuidar tus contactos y sobre todo, pues eh, mi abuelo decía, cuando se cierra una puerta se abre una ventana, pues a veces hay proyectos que, que no salen como quieres, pero bueno, hay otras personas que de repente pues te dan oportunidades en, en ámbitos que igual ni te lo planteas, ¿no? Y no por eso no van a ser bonitos, porque, bueno, yo soy entrenadora, pero he tenido ahora la oportunidad de comentar un mundial, ¿no? Que no es propiamente entrenar, o sea que yo creo que estar abiertos también a, a, este tipo, a diferentes oportunidades y a, no sé, a diferentes opciones que, que se pueden dar. Coach Natalia, muchas gracias. Eh, usted sabe de que tiene aquí su, su casa con la comunidad latina de United Soccer Coaches y muchas gracias por haber venido. Nada, gracias Arturo, siempre tú estás siguiéndome, siempre me, me escribes, la verdad es que agradezco mucho que, que siempre me, me ayudas y, y me das ánimos, así que nada, encantada de poder participar con vosotros, es un placer. Thank you Natalia, and just to translate a little bit of that in English, she is originally from Spain and has coached in large clubs such as Barcelona FC and Atlético de Madrid. She also was with the Spain women's national team. Then she started her career here in the U.S., coaching in the academy, and she moved quickly to become an assistant for the KC Curran of the NWSL. Currently, she is with the U-17 women's national team. She mentioned how much she enjoyed the Dominican Republic as host of the CONCACAF qualifying round before getting into the World Cup and how the Latin American community came together really allowed her and the team to immerse themselves into the culture. Obviously, going to India is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, especially the fact that they were able to play in the opening game of the tournament. How big a moment that was, not only for her on a sporting level, but on a personal level as well for her and the staff and the players. She mentioned how well, despite playing the host nation in the first game, they were well received and celebrated on and off the pitch. What she really wanted to do was make sure that the staff and the players knew the significance of the game, not from a sporting side, but even just from a personal level and have them enjoy the moment, be present, be mindful of the experience that they were having. And certainly with that came a lot of preparation behind the scenes, a lot of psychology, a lot of education to teach the players how to be mindful and how to take those moments in without feeling completely overwhelmed. Obviously, we're going to add some game and moment management to that with a lot of communication and a lot of psychological work that went into this particular age group to make sure that they were prepared for the demands of the game After the World Cup, many of you may remember, she also served as an analyst for Telemundo during the Men's World Cup, which is very significant, and not only because she was an on-air talent, but because she was actually analyzing the game 
Obviously, it was a great experience for her on a personal level, being able to be around people who know the game, who played the game, and more importantly, who loved the game. We also talked about the opportunities that she gets and how it is that she's able to maximize those opportunities. And a couple of points that she gave us were to be positive, to be visible, make sure that you are keeping your contact list updated, definitely participate in any events that you can, one being the convention. When you do get those opportunities, make sure that you jump. Keep an open mind when those opportunities do come and take a leap of faith, as most things do tend to work out, as long as you believe and you are prepared for the opportunity. So she certainly leaves us with a lot of gems and a lot of information. Now that you've learned a little bit about Natalia, I hope you follow her and follow the journey of the U17 Women's National Team as they prepare for their two-year cycle leading up to the 2024 World Cup. Once again, thank you to the Latino Coaches Community, United Soccer Coaches, and back to you, Dean. Thank you, Art. Thank you, Natalia. And thank you to Mauricio Lozado as well, the chair of the Latino Soccer Coaches Community. Great interview. Normally, I would go to break right now, but instead, we're going to keep on rolling as we're joined by Cassidy Weiss. He's the United Soccer Coaches Youth Programs Manager. We met her a couple months ago upon her hiring, but just last week, United Soccer Coaches announced the new Recreation Coach Membership Program available to members clubs and youth affiliate programs and that is why she is here with us right now before we even go to break so with that hello Cassidy Weiss how you doing hi doing well how are you I'm doing great great to be with you let's do just that let's talk some business tell me about this recreation coach membership absolutely so this is a new membership that we just created the target is recreation coaches so it's $25 for the year very inexpensive. With that, we are offering 4v4, 77.99, 11v11 diploma courses, and then our foundations of coaching levels one and two. At no additional charge, so you just pay the 25 for the year, and your coaches can take those courses. And then we also offer a million-dollar coverage of liability insurance, which is big. Also, some other benefits such as access to the training ground, our new e-learning platform. So We've created a recreation coach specific playlist on the training ground where the coach receives a username login. They go in and they can access this playlist. And within the playlist, we have various content articles and webinars and session plans. And that's something that will update monthly. So there'll always be new content, access to Soccer Journal Plus, our digital version, coaches communities, and then also our monthly youth newsletters. Jeff Van Dusen has been saying quite often that United Soccer Coaches is the home for all coaches, and he means it as now we include recreation coaches, including the recreation coach membership that Cassidy Weiss is breaking down. Now, Cassidy, you mentioned youth affiliate programs can take advantage of this. Who is eligible to become a youth affiliate, and what does that type of membership encompass? We created that program to target state associations specifically. And other community programs, say, for example, Boys and Girls Club. We haven't had anything like it before. Obviously, we have member club, but that's targeted more towards clubs. We've created this program so that they can take advantage of the recreation coach membership. So you either have to be a part of member club or the youth affiliate program to sign your coaches up for the recreation coach membership. We don't really have specific criteria for either member club or the youth affiliate. 
program. It just really depends on the needs of your club, oftentimes the size. We're excited about that as well. It's a new initiative we launched last week with the Recreation Coach Membership. We're here with United Soccer Coaches Youth Programs Manager, Cassidy Weiss. How about a little refresher on the Member Club Program, Cassidy? The Member Club Program, we break it down into three tiers as we do with the Youth Affiliate Program. And essentially, you pay an annual fee. With that, you receive an assortment of benefits. And those benefits range from number of memberships, full memberships, access to the training ground, possibly convention registrations, just dependent upon the tier, education discounts. There's quite a few benefits that clubs can take advantage of. And that usually comes down to the size of the club as well, which tier they choose. We offer a lot within each though. Quick comment on this last convention. You've been before as a coach. Now you were there in Philadelphia as an employee. Your takeaways from being there as an employee with United Soccer Coaches. It was an incredible experience. As an attendee, I went twice when I was coaching college and that alone was an experience. And you walk out of there and you're so refreshed and motivated and excited. As an attendee, you don't really think about what goes into it. Obviously, it's a massive event. It's the largest coaches event in the world, but you you don't think about all the little details until you're on the inside of it. To see this thing come together, it's pretty incredible, especially with a national office staff of, I think, 28. So the fact that we're able to put that together and I mean, the scope of it, it's, it's incredible. So it was a really great experience. Once again, we remind everybody that this month, United Soccer Coaches announced the new recreation coach membership that is available to member clubs and as part of the youth affiliate programs. Heading it all up is United Soccer Coaches Youth Programs Manager, Cassidy Weiss. Before we say goodbye, if people want to learn more about this recreation coach membership, where can they find out more or how can they get a hold of you? So they can visit our website and my contact information is listed on the member club webpage as well as the youth affiliate program and recreation coach membership webpages. They can also email me directly at cweiss at unitedsoccercoaches.org. And that's spelled W-E-I-S-S. Cassidy Weiss, great to be with you. First to learn more about you now in an official capacity. Thanks for all you're doing. Great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. When we return, a true soccer icon, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer Brandy Chastain has forged a great relationship with a former 30 Under 30 member, Cynthia Cervantes, who is now a key player also with the Latino soccer coaches community. Brandy and Cynthia join me together. Another powerful interview after these messages. Introducing the first ever CoachCon, presented by Soccer.com in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, August 11th through the 13th. Register now to experience distinct coaching education from top-level professionals and earn a special topics diploma in game analysis or organizational leadership. Spots are extremely limited. Register today at unitedsoccercoaches.org slash coachcon. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. We have two big stars, a true American soccer icon and Brandy Chastain, who could forget her winning penalty kick in 1999. So many caps. She's a Hall of Famer. And then Cynthia Cervantes, who has become a favorite of the association, a 30 under 30 member, a mover and a shaker, a leader with the Latino soccer coaches community and really a friend to all people, United Soccer Coaches. With that, 
We welcome in the Hall of Famer, Brandy Chastain. Brandy, welcome back. Good to see you. Thank you, Dean. It's great to see you and talk to you as always. <laughs> and Cynthia Cervantes. This is pretty cool, Cynthia. Thanks for making this happen. Thank you, Dean. Brandy, you have always been able to find the good in people. Cynthia has a lot of good. She kind of walks around with a halo around her head, I think you could say. Can you walk us through, Brandy, how you met her and how you decided that uh, would be a good investment to spend some time with her? Being a part of the Olympic development program for a long time, being a really strong champion for the program, it's something that I believe in and have believed in it since I started playing 40 plus years ago. I've always believed that there's a place for all young players to aspire to be better and to have good people around them. And I had that with Olympic development. And so I've worked now as a regional coach for the region four program in multiple age groups. And so I met Cindy through this program, watching her with New Mexico. I just saw this young woman who was, if I dare give her a description of one of my favorite species of animals, which is dogs. She's like a Jack Russell Terrier. Mm. She's full of energy. She wants to get to everybody. She wants to make sure everybody has what they need. Her energy was just very infectious and her desire to learn. She's just outspoken about wanting to get better. I presented her with an opportunity to work with me and she said yes. Cindy, I like how Brandy set that up. Can you elaborate on what kind of work you did with Brandy initially and how you continued to strengthen this bond? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, coach. That was great. Down to the point. <laughs> One of the things I did is definitely team management, whatever the girls needed, whatever coach needed. I also learned a lot. I was able to coach some games and just learned by her side, watching her coach, how she interact and be a head coach in the region level. It's more than just one player. It's more than just one team. It's everything around and psychologically and seeing someone at the highest level for me coming from New Mexico and El Paso and just to have that interaction with her, how she thinks absolutely of everything. It was literally 11 p.m. at night at the region camp and we were still analyzing games and how the way she looked at the game was just incredible just to be able to learn and see what she does and how a true head coach should behave. So I'm very grateful for that. Cynthia, Cynthia, you keep calling her Cynthia. So it's like, I call her Cindy. So I hope that the listener won't be confused by that. So what I saw in Cindy beyond just this overarching enthusiasm for the game was her willingness to put in the work, right? So I think we all know, Dean, you and I have been around the women's national team for a long time, professional soccer. We understand that you don't get to those places if you don't take the journey. And the journey is not always going to be smooth. And most of the time, it's going to be pretty rough. And it's not going to be inviting. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you no, yet you're going to continue. And that's what I saw in Cindy. I also appreciated her organizational skills. She was ready to make a document at any time or like get on and communicate with other coaches and organize things. And I know for me, that was going to be very helpful. So I saw her strengths. And this is what I think, you know, I hope that's part of her learning process too, is that putting people around you that don't just mimic what you do well, having people who have strengths in other areas and being as leaders, we have to be vulnerable too. I was hopefully giving her examples of, you know, okay, good, how to be good in one area, but also to say like, look, I don't know how to do this and it's okay and we'll figure it out. And, you know, sometimes she can be the leader and, and I could listen and follow. 
And so I think in leadership, that's really important. And, and she came in and just was ready to do anything. And the fact that she's working so hard in her personal life for getting her coaching licenses, not only in Mexico, but in the U.S. and, you know, finding new jobs and trying to be a part of the community. And as you said, she's, you know, receiving awards. Like, I think it's good for young girls who don't always come from opportunity to see women who are really battling to find their place. And, and Cindy's been a good example of that. Cynthia, Cindy, whatever you want to go by, when you hear Brandy <laughs> Chastain say that, how's it make you feel? I mean, my voice says it all. Uh, she knows how grateful I am. And we've, we spoke before. I respect her as a woman, as a coach, as a leader, as a pioneer, and as an entrepreneur as well with her Bay Area NWSL and her co-founding um, Bossy, which is the Bay Area Women's Sports Initiative. And um, I have the highest respect and it makes me feel humble to take that advice. And I'm just grateful to have her be part of my life. Brandy, and because she said it, I want to give the opportunity for you to talk about those two initiatives and congratulate you. I know that you have 49 of the $50 million. So congrats on that too, Brandy. But uh, talk about what's going on. <laughs> Dean, you've always, you've always been able to make me laugh. I appreciate that. Well, first with the Bay Area Women's Sports Initiative, that was actually born out of the demise of the first ever women's pro league here, the WUSA, which at the time was very devastating for the likes of the Mia Hams, the Julie Foudy's, the Joy Fawcett's, you know, that this was uh, the place where we knew we needed to get to because there was no outlet for post-college female athletes who wanted to continue their career and they wanted to continue it here domestically. When the doors closed in 2003, Julie Foudy, myself, our former general manager, Marlene Bjornsrud of the San Jose Cyber Rays, we have to continue to do the good work that we were doing through the vehicle of the women's soccer team because what we saw happening was these young girls being exposed to role model mentors in the players that would go and play. And so we decided that we needed to try to attack the things that were happening in our community in the underserved populations. Initially, that was diabetes, that was obesity. It was like food deserts and basic things that I think we, me as a population would take for granted. You know, the ability to go and have fresh produce, to have safe places to play. So we started what we called initially the Women's Sports Initiative. And, you know, as we mold around that name, we realized that it wasn't very sexy. It wasn't exciting. It didn't get people to feel connected. And so we had a friend call and say, I have a, the perfect name for you all. It's the Bay Area Women's Sports Initiative. And we said, okay, well, that's fine. I guess it gives us kind of some roots and grounding in the Bay Area. People will know where that is. They said, it's the perfect name for something you, Marlene and Julie would do. And we were like, well, why? Like, what's the explanation for that? And they, she said, well, the acronym will be pronounced bossy and you're all bossy girls. So, <laughs> And Marlene was just like, no, 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 no. We're going to change the name. And Julie and I were like, hell no, we are. We are bossy and we're going to stay bossy. And the fact that bossy has now been around for, oh my gosh, 17, 15, so many years, Dean. Like, I can't even remember now. It's been so many years. I mean, we've We've really encouraged, enhanced, uplifted the lives of 25,000 or more girls through our programming with collegiate female student athletes, local entrepreneurs, women who 
played sports, but didn't feel like they were athletes. And we've made a difference. And people like Cindy, who recognizes that being encouraged to participate can change your life, has gifted Bossy the ability to get some new equipment. And so it perpetuates itself. You know, it's good people doing good work for the right reason in good communities where there's young girls who need to know that health and wellness doesn't belong to only those who have opportunity. We've given them a playground. We've given them voices. We've given them a team. We've given them a way to set goals and understand how to fulfill those and that they're not going to be perfect, but that they find encouragement with each other and in themselves to be better the next day. Obviously, for me, that's life affirming. And since I'm a native of the Bay Area, for me, it's the least I could give back to the community that supported me at a time that was really not pro-women being in sports. That is an eternal gift that I hope keeps giving back. As for the Bay Area NWSL team, that is still not 100% done. There's a lot of talk about it. What we are doing here is, as I tell all my young players, the player who is most ready to make the next best play will be successful. You see so many times that people aren't, aren't ready for the next opportunity and it passes them by. So we're going to do everything necessary, get all the, the things in order that the league needs, all the things we believe are right for a team to exist and we'll be ready when our name is absolutely called and we can sign some kind of document that says we are a full participant in the NWSL. Have you thought about what your role might be with that besides bringing investors to the table? Have you thought about like a Jill Ellis type role or a head coaching type role, or do you want to be more of an ambassador to that team? Have you thought about all those things, Brandy? I've mulled over all of those things, Dean. And I think the little kid in me wants to always be on the field because <laughs> that's my happy place. That's where I feel like my experience really shines. I don't have a lot of everyday experience with upper level management of a professional team. But I'm also like Cindy in this part of, in, of her journey is I'm willing to learn. I want to do what's best for the club. Of course, I would love to be in a position where I could influence the community to come be a part of this team, feel it belongs to them, get excited on a regular basis. You know me, I love practice. People you know, don't always love practice as much as they love games, but I absolutely fell in love with the game through practice. And I love just that team camaraderie that happens on the regular. And so I want to bring that. I want to bring that to a brand that has the potential to be different than anything else. And so I want players who want to put themselves out there in a way that, you know, they're going to feel vulnerable and they're going to be challenged and they're going to encourage each other. So I'm not sure what my role will be, but if it's ambassador, I'll embrace it. If it's coach, I'll embrace it. I think there's a lot of potential for our team. So I'm still in a holding pattern, but I'm excited. I think that's a really well-constructed and thoughtful answer because it's uh, from your heart. And no matter what, it sounds like in some way, you'll find a way to be involved and the team needs that. And I think, Cynthia, probably part of your emotion is similar to the emotion that I have every time I see Brandy. And I've known her a lot longer than you in that Yes, she's an American soccer icon, but she takes the time to see the spirit in people like you. Is that fair to say, Cynthia? I agree with you 100%. That is very fair. I think she knows that she came in a 
place and in a time that you want to reach out to mentors and sometimes you don't get that. And the fact that I could just share a thought or how can I do this or just ask her means a lot. It's not only because it's Brandy Chastain, it's because the human in her, the respect I have for her as a mom, coach and everything she has been through since she grew up because I've read the story I'm like book geek (laughs) and everything she has been through ups and downs moving to a 15 hours away to play soccer because after she was cut from the national team I mean those adversities has helped me push through life as a coach so I completely agree with you Brandy as I think about your relationship with Cynthia Cervantes I wonder about your bandwidth, like how, how do you know, like the right people to, you know, become a mentor for, you know, I mean, in fact, you're on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I think one of the things we pride ourselves in one being the home for all coaches, but two, truly being a family and being about mentorship. Clearly you've established uh, whether you wanted to or not a mentorship with Cynthia Cervantes. And clearly you wanted to is the right way to say that, but you know, how do you have the bandwidth? How many people can you mentor Brandy? (laughs) You know, I didn't set out in this relationship to be a mentor for Cindy. To be honest with you, what I saw was somebody who had a lot of capabilities and strengths. I knew that it would help what I was doing. And it turned into this because she wanted that. And so I guess the, the message is you take on as many who are willing. You don't limit yourself. I don't know what the bandwidth is. Whoever's willing to be a part of it. You know, listen, we're friends, Dean, and Cindy and I have created a relationship through soccer that we talk very often and I'm very, and she will say, I'm very honest with her. I'm very to the point. You know, some days I I don't have the bandwidth and I say, hey, I don't, today is not the best day for me. I have other things that are going on that need my attention. And she understands that. And I think she appreciates me being upfront with her. I'm going to help her when I can. I'm going to help her to help herself in times when it's like, okay, what's my next move and who do I rely on? And hopefully this is a part of the mentorship right now, which is you got to be able to rely on yourself. I do that with my players. Yes, I'm the coach on the sideline. I'm giving you all this information in practice, but I want you to be able to put it into use yourself. I'm also being mentored. You know, I have Lisa Cole was my mentor as I was taking the U.S. soccer A license. And it came at a time that was really hard in my life. And I'm not quite complete with that. And I've already completed my A license many, many years ago, but it's new for U.S. soccer, the way they're doing things. So I even have to go back through this process. And it was a really hard time. So I needed a mentor. And Lisa Cole was somebody who was there for me. So I don't want this to come across as I'm mentoring all these people. I too am being mentored. And I feel like that's the beauty of uh, USU soccer. That's the beauty of the Olympic development program. That's the real ability of coaches, directors of coaching everywhere. Nobody should say no to mentorship. And the responsibility of that is just to be present right? To say yes for maybe one conversation could absolutely change the trajectory of a young person's life or an old person like me. And I feel like that's really the the essence of mentorship. It's not how many hours and how many months and how many, you know, years. It's really about the one moment. I do like to promote. So because you mentioned the Bay Area Women's Soccer Initiative, if people heard that and know what's coming down the pike and know all the great things you're doing, is there a website or uh, social media or that type of stuff? Can you plug that, Brandy? 
Sure, absolutely. Uh, you can go to BAWSI.org. That's our website. If you want to make a donation, please make a donation. If you just want to check us out and you're interested in maybe starting something where you are, our leaders are willing to share what we do best because we know that young girls everywhere need more mentors and role models. So please check us out. Yes, indeed. Please do check them out. And how about that great mentorship between Cynthia Cervantes and Brandy Chastain? When we return, we'll be joined by one of the legends in the black soccer coaches community, Isang Jacobs. Stay with us. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. The United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. If you've been listening, you know that I was moved on the Saturday night of the convention in Philadelphia, and I was among many people that were moved at the Legends event for the Black Soccer Coaches community. So we're going to keep it going. And one man that felt my emotion because I stood next to him and I squeezed him so tight, I almost probably squeezed your eyes out. He's saying, Jacob, uh, <laughs> thank you thank you for that night, and we're going to continue to talk about it, including today on the podcast. But the night was amazing, and Isang Jacob, for the record, is amazing. He was part of the Hall of Fame class induction by the Black Soccer Coaches a year ago with some great names, including some people that you've heard on this podcast, like Rob Smith a week ago, and I believe Mike Curry, and so many other great names, and... Isang Jacob also, according to Nicole Hercules, really was one of the key people that said, we have to make that night big on that Saturday night. So with that, I want to thank you, Isang, for such an inspirational night. And I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And you mentioned that night, and I believe you saw the emotion in most of us. I was like, we have to have you out there. Yes, I felt the squeeze, you know, and I wanted to squeeze you back so you understand that I love you too, you know, and I felt that emotion. You know, it was so powerful. When you see Coach Phillips being emotional, you look at Sam Okodu, he just, he literally ran in, drove all the way from DC to get there. He was emotional. And those emotions were real because of the journey, Coach Corey, the journey that we've gone through to get to where we were. And I was so thankful, and I can't say it enough about what Nicole has done. She challenged me to be involved. She goes, look, you've always been involved. Stop staying outside. Come inside and be involved. And I'm thankful for the platform that she's created. Well, she challenged you, but then you challenged her to say, let's have this event. Let's get under the bright lights. And both of you were right collectively because with the bright lights on, that's what happened. We're, we're moving forward in a positive way. So she gives you credit for saying, let's, let's push forward. Let's make that night happen. You help make that night happen, he's saying. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, it's, I'm glad she mentioned that. But at the same time, I remember during the leadership meeting, they said, oh, let's, that room is too big. Let's get a smaller room. Or should we dress up? I said, no. I've been through the association for so many years. The world needs to see us as first class because we've always been first class. So 
And I said, no, we will fill that room up. I was very optimistic and we did. We could have used extra space as well too. So I'm glad that she listened or the members, the leadership team listened to this crazy man that said, okay, let's keep that big room. And I tell you what, everybody that was there had a great time, but more importantly, embracing the journey that we've taken to get to that point. So thank you. And I'm glad that she listened. Well, I am too, because I, I'm going to point out again, and I've already said it, like nobody told me to go to this, like, but I had to go. And then Etta Alre walked in the elevator and he took me there. Then I saw you. And then you said, Dean, come up. And I was frozen. I was just and I'm never frozen. You know me. I'm like, never. Oh, frozen. you were. <laughs> <laughs> and you you brought me up and I didn't even know they were taking a picture. My eyes were on Nicole Hercules. My ears were on Nicole Hercules. My ears yes. were on Lincoln. Yes. Phillips. My ears were on you and Hugh and Mike and, and everybody. And But everybody felt that way. Yes. It was a powerful emotions. And I, I felt it, you know, after the event, you know, I'm like, did this really just happen? I mean, it was a slam dunk, if you ask me. <laughs> it was a great event. I remember a good friend of mine, Vince Gansberg, that was there. It's like, wow, this is a great event. You know, how do you top that? You know, but we have great leadership coming, you know, with Andrew coming in on board, you know, and with the vice chair, people that will be helping the whole organization. I am just thankful for what Nicole has done. Mm. And we need to give her credit for what she has done and the job that has been done, you know, to how many coaches do we have presented to see how many coaches, even in the issue of mental health, you know, to be able to push that and say, look, he's saying we need this. People need to hear this. And I'm thankful to Nicole, to the United Soccer Coaches, to give in that topic, the issue of mental health is a critical issue that needs to be addressed. We need to bring it to limelight. And I'm thankful that we're doing that now. And I know Nicole Hercules. I already commented to her. I go, I go, Nicole, something big's coming out of her. I don't know what it is, but I know something <laughs> big is coming next for Nicole Hercules. But here's my deal with Isang Jacob. So I first met you with the Big Ten Network when you were at Penn State. I'm thinking you were an assistant to Barry Gorman, right? Is absolutely, that right? absolutely. Yeah, so in the early days, you know, I started, I did the first ever game on the Big Ten Network. And Isang, you and I hit it off from day one. And I'm kind of going back to the way I thought about Lincoln Phillips. To me, you weren't a black coach. You were just a coach and you were just cool. And I liked you and you liked me. And like when we were at the convention, you were thanking me for giving me the platform. And that's wrong. I should be thanking you for you doing what you do. But let's, let's hear your path. Let's hear your career. When did you come to the United States? Where are you from? Give us your stops. Break it down for us, Kenya. Yeah, thank you so much. And I, I don't want to forget that day, you know, when you gave me that opportunity on Big Ten Network. Well, I'm just that little poor kid, you know, that grew up in Nigeria. I was involved with the youth national team in Nigeria. Had the opportunity to come to Liberty through coach William Bell. William Bell played in England, coach Birmingham, and then became the coach at Liberty University. Mm. And all I remember, I named my son after him, you know, because in his book, Light at the End of the Tunnel, one of the things that he said to me was, you have to break the cycle. I didn't know what that meant. What that meant was my mom had a third grade education. My father had a fourth grade education. I was skilled enough that I was going to have an opportunity to play professionally. And he said, look, if you get injured, you're done. But if you come to United States and go to school and earn an education, you will create a pathway for your family, which that was true. I graduated from Indiana Westland and then brought my mom to this country. And my mother even said to me, the greatest gift that I have ever given her 
was bringing her to this country because then she can receive proper medical care. From Indiana Wesleyan, I had a chance to play with Houston Force, which was in the APSL back then, before the MLS. So again, being exposed to the wonderful opportunity then ended up my career with Indiana Blast, which was a, a professional team in the USL League here in Indianapolis. So during that time, you know, I was coaching the youth and I had a simple philosophy because what I saw as a college assistant coach at IUPUI then was the technical skill of our players were lacking. And I told then the head coach, Steve Franklin, I said, I want to go into the youth to give back. For me, it was about giving back. And then while doing that, take have my master's in social work. And I still have the booklet that we created called the Indyburn Eagles. When I name out the players that have played on this team that have gone on to play at the next level, Joseph Peglo, Babalaka Moshegon played at Harvard, Jamil Fati played at Cornell, Matt Hedges won a national championship at North Carolina, Sean McGrath played at Notre Dame, Bradley Folk, Taylor Rhodes, Adam Mills played at West Virginia, Michael Tanky now coaching at Buffalo, Ruben Garrido, Blake Lydon played at Butler. Alan Hisla played at IUPUI. Raymond Gardis. Raymond is still mm -hmm. playing now for Cincinnati. <laughs> Matt Santa, Michael Whitman, Matt Guy, Jonathan Snyder. Fiva is a coach in Illinois. Andrew Luttrell, Tim Wiley played at IU, a national championship team, Greg Romain. So when you look at all these players, my goal was for them to be technically sound, mm -hmm. have a tactical awareness of the game, and become fine young men. Mm. And that we have multiple lawyers, multiple doctors. Remember, we still have three guys still playing in the MLS mm. and they've become fine young men. I have not missed any of their weddings. So wow. that's been my journey. Then Barry Gorman saw me at Disney coaching these guys. He goes, when are you going to come coach with me? I told him the first year, I said, no, nah, I'm not leaving you coaching. Then the, we had to shake hands and he gave me that opportunity in 2009. I left for Penn State. I met this young reporter, you know, you were young back then, you know, just, you know, said, look, you got, I want to give you a platform, assistant coaches being able to do halftime speech. I'm like, then I'm not sure. I said, I've given coach Gorman everything that he needs, you know? So he's like, no, he wants you to be on stage. I froze. Talk about freezing. I was like, this man is going to put me on national TV. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for seeing the work. And you didn't look at me as a black coach. You look at me as a coach, aspiring coach that would one day become a head coach. And you gave me that platform. I will never forget that day. And that is what has led to everything that I have become, that I've done is that confidence of some. You didn't see me as a black kid or a black. You saw me as an individual. And I thank you for that. You know, so that's been my journey working in the school system as a social worker in Warren Township and now in Pike Township under the leadership of a great man, Dr. Young. He's given me the opportunity and he has made it very clear that critical self-care is non-negotiable. So for his staff and for his students, I love what I do now. I love coaching. Maybe another opportunity will come, but this is what I'm doing now. And to be able to share that at the convention about mental health and self-care of our coaches and players, was a dream come true. What an amazing path. And I actually love the fact that what you're doing now, in fact, right before we came on the air, you said you just got a grant for mental health. So you're putting your words into action and your energy and everything yes. else. And at the same time, he's saying, even though you're not directly coaching the team, you will never cut off ties to United soccer coaches, especially 
since they've made mental health such a big part of what they're doing as well. So whether you coach or not, you're always going to be part of that family too, right? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm still coaching. I'm back coaching. I'm coaching my son's team. Okay. You know, I was just sitting on the sideline. As Vince said, I'm involved with the coaching education, as you know. And I was just sitting on the sideline, but you couldn't hide for so long. You know, <laughs> I was drafted. I mean, by, by the way, going back to the club that I started as a coach, you know, where I coached the Matt Hedges, the Regardis, the Perry Kitchen, you know, all those guys that have gone on to do some babalaki, playing with the youth national team. So I am thankful. Harrison Pets, you know, those guys. I'm blessed to go back now to say, now I'm coaching you a travel, but it's the best thing of my life. And I love doing that. I enjoy it because now I can look at the things that I didn't do too well when I first got in, uh, started the journey. That's incredible. And, you know, another kind of out-of-body experience for me is tied to Ray Gaddis. I'll do the short version. So he's playing for Marlon LeBlanc, another great coach and mm -hmm. a man of color who I respect greatly. And I kind of formed this relationship with Raymond Gaddis because Marlon would always have West Virginia on the NSCA game of the week on Fox soccer. And he would, then he would play at UConn with West Virginia. And as he moved up the ranks, I would follow him. And I'm in Kansas city with the national staff of United soccer coaches. And they say, Hey Dean, we're going to go see sporting KC play Philadelphia. And we got seats on the front row. Well, as you know, Raymond Gaddis plays outside back and yeah. they're warming up practicing. And somehow he, you know, he got, you know, there's 20,000 people there, however, how many, <laughs> somehow he finds his way over to me to give me a hug some X years after the fact. And again, it's just kind of the spirit of people. That young man, he's saying, has your spirit. He has the spirit that was in that room. Oh, no, th thank you so much. I mean, he sent a tweet out. I'm not on social media and tagged, that is my coach. You know, and, and I get emotional when I talk about this. When you do something and you have your kids coming to do what you've done, Ray Gard is now working on his coaching license. You got Michael Tanky coaching right now, and you got Tyler Kiever going into college coaching. There's something they saw that they wanted to do. And then Sean McGrath is coaching high school at Brunsburg. He was a Pike graduate. And I went to watch him at the sectional. And I sent him a text. I said, congratulations. Unfortunately, you didn't win the sectional. And he said on a text back, coach, I'm just trying to produce fine young men. And when you look at that, that is the model of what we did, you know, when I coached those guys, you know, to say, look, winning will come and go. But the importance is being a fine young individual. That's what Regattis, you know, exemplifies. And he's always smiling. He knew I was going to get the award because he asked me for a headshot. I'm like, Ray, what do you want my headshot for? And I said, you know, you're a pastor. You're not going to lie to me. <laughs> and he said, coach is for an award. I didn't know what award that was for. He was instrumental in uh, writing. And so, so were some of my other players. All the boys are that way. They are still connected till today. And as I shared, I've not, we, I've not missed any of their weddings. I made it a top priority that I will be present because I knew them since they were 10 years old. And we as coaches have to look past just winning to looking at the future of our, our young men and women. Amen. And I'm hoping that that Saturday night is just one tipping point because look, forever we've been wondering about progress and we'll take three steps and 10 steps backwards. Oh. And then, yeah. Another two steps and 10 steps backwards. Let's just take all steps now. He's saying that's, probably easy for me to say uh, because I look different and everything else, but I feel it. Tell me you feel it a little bit. And I know it's not going to be as easy as that, but 
I do feel like with what Nicole has done with people like you and Lincoln and Mike, and now with this new leadership and this governance and everything else, don't you feel like it's finally real progress, sir? Absolutely. And I feel empowered. And even, let's be honest, you following up with this podcast is a revelation of how far we've come and that, you know, we are moving forward. Mm. You know, you did say you were going to reach out to us. Well, we've heard that in the past. It's just like when people say, well, give, you know, uh, coaches of uh, uh, color opportunity. They, they set up an interview. Don't waste my time. You said this is what you were going to do. So we're moving forward. And the presence of the CEO in that event and everybody that showed up during that event didn't just show up to leave. They stayed to witness what happened. And I tell you what, I still get chills from that day, you know, and I, I can still feel you grabbing me. <laughs> <laughs> I you was know, hanging on tight. Because, <laughs> because literally, your wife can attest to this. I literally dragged you out there because you didn't want to come. Like, come in. You know, I said, no, because the world needs to see. And I'm thankful. And I, I agree with you. We are moving forward. If we need to knock the window down, knock the door down, we are going to. Because we're here to stay. There's always been great coaches of color, brown and black, and of all race. They just need the opportunity to showcase what they can do. You look at Humanist. Look at Lon Dennison. You know, all, what all those guys are doing. Look at Samakodu. You know, those guys are people that I look up to. And even Samapodo, I shared with him because he didn't want to show, you know, he was driving. I said, Sam, when we were at the national uh, team camp, he was a senior player. I was a, a youth player. I used to pick up your shoes and I look up to him and he came to this country. And he's the one that said, look, you got to come here and get your education so your future will be better. And I'm glad I listened. And I'm glad I listened to Coach William Bell that says, you have to break the cycle. And that is what I'm trying to give back. Hopefully, that will continue with Ray and more players, Michael Tanky and Babalakin, and so is um, Tyler Kiever. And all those guys that are in the law firm, doctors, that they will continue to serve and produce fine young men. And Sean McGrath. And with that, I'll put an exclamation point and say that I'm glad that however it happened that you got on the Big Ten Network. More importantly, I'm glad that I ran into you. It felt like 20 times, even just, before Saturday night, just even just, if you walked by each other, it just was, it, there was this gravitational yes. push towards Saturday night. I'll never forget it. And I'm not just going to say we're going to do it. I'm going to do it every single week. Isang, yes. that's my plan, including a visit with you. Isang Jacob, one of the true legends, as he was recognized as well. And Isang, the future is bright. Thank you Thank so you. much for spending some time here as we keep on trucking. A great Saturday night that's never going to be forgotten, and we're only going to build off of it. Isang Jacob, great to have you on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you, and thank you, brother, for being who you are and for always loving and caring about the game of soccer. Thank you very much. Isang Jacob, he truly is a beautiful man inside and out, and hopefully that came across in this interview. Another person with a great spirit that is willing to share with all of us is Becky Burley, who has a great breakdown on character with the legendary Anson Dorrance, a 22-time national champion at the University of North Carolina for women's soccer. Becky Burley, part of the training ground when we return. 
As a soccer coach, you're no stranger to developing your players, but how are you developing your own expertise? As a United Soccer Coaches member, you receive access to a range of resources, like our online learning platform, The Training Ground, to aid in the growth and enhancement of your coaching skills and career. From coaching education courses to lifestyle services, take advantage of new opportunities and member benefits with an annual United Soccer Coaches membership for just $125. Join the home of all coaches today at unitedsoccercoaches.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. It's time for another visit to the training ground and another visit with one of my favorites, one of your favorites, Becky Burley, the former legendary head coach for Florida, who now is deeply involved in what drives winning and also deeply involved with the association, especially with great contributions to the training ground. It's no different today. We'll get to that in a moment, but first let me welcome back Becky. Becky, always good to see you. Thanks for being on. Always a pleasure to be with you, Dean. Yeah, it was good to see you at the convention in Philadelphia as well. I felt like it was a really inspirational convention for sure. And I felt like your topic is inspirational by way of Anson Dorrance, another one of the legends of the game. And it's about grading character. There's a lot of different stories inside of it, but I'll kind of let you sort of take the wheel to, you know, quote, Carrie Underwood. And if you could talk a little bit about what this video is about that they're going to find on Training Ground, where you interview Anson Dorrance as part of What Drives Winning. And it's about grading character, I think, right? Yeah, Anson gave a great keynote at one of our events with What Drives Winning, where he talked about this whole concept of grading character. It really resonated with me because I think it's something that as coaches, we think a lot about how we evaluate the X's and O's, but how do we evaluate character? And Anson's kind of found a systemized way to do that. It was all born from a situation that he had, I believe it was back in 2006, when a woman named Kelly Muldoon, who was at the Duke Medical Center, and she had a terminal illness, and she was introduced to Anson's team. They won the national championship in that year, and then it was only shortly after that that Kelly passed away. Anson created an award called the Kelly Muldoon Award. It's the highest award that he feels that his team can receive, that anyone on his team can receive. And it's basically for who lives out the character values of their team the best. And the way he does that is he he has each of his players both self-evaluate and evaluate each other on the character skills and the values that are important to the UNC program. So it's really cool that this award has kind of continued to live on in Kelly's name. And it's something that's so highly sought after on his team because it is really about the core of what UNC soccer is about. That kind of general philosophy on good character tied around his 13 core values that he talks about all the time also kind of came to the top of the water, I guess you could say, in 2012 when the team dedicated that season to somebody very important to Anson. Yeah, that was a really, really touching story because, um, you know, Anson's wife had an autoimmune disorder and she was given a very small chance for survival. Um, and, and she's still with us today, which is a testament to her resilience. The team sort of surprised Anson and decided to dedicate that season to her. One of the things that's interesting is Anson's won so many championships and he doesn't wear championship rings except for that one. And it was because it was so meaningful that the team would dedicate the season to Melissa. And I, I think. Anson's point in all this is like, how do you play for something greater than yourself? 
that's a really hard thing to define, but I think what he's done is he's created a way that players can look outside themselves and get a view from outside themselves of what their teammates. I can't say enough about how much I feel like it has really contributed to the overall culture that Anson's created because everybody knows Anson for the competitive cauldron. Like that's what, when you think of Anson, that's what you think of. But when you go and look under the hood, I think there are, there's so much more to that program in terms of the way that he's cultivating character than just the competitive cauldron. And I'm glad that you're able to tell that story because you're right. I think when people do think of Anson, they think I, I call him the most successful college coach, any gender, any sport, just based on the number of games he's won and the number of national championships he's won. I wondered along the way if there was any jealousy. Becky, you won a national championship. You know how hard it was, let alone to do it 22 times, which is what I think he's done if you can count the, the one that was sort of unsanctioned. What is it about Anson that allows people like you, coaches, to – drop that competitive spirit and want to spread his message like this one on grading character. I think people who don't know Anson, they just, they just see from the outside and they see, like I said, his competitiveness and he's very direct. And I think that sometimes people equate that with closed off. I've never had that experience. Like when I was coaching at Barry college way back in the day, NAI school, small school, and I call Anson and I'm like, hey, I'd really love to observe your practices or pick your brain. And he's the first one to say yes to things like that. And that's pretty amazing. And to me, it not only allowed me to grow as a coach, but it set the tone for me as far as like what I need to be doing as a coach for younger coaches that follow me. Part of this video, another part that's really, really interesting is Anson talks about the senior letters he writes. It's pretty amazing. He has an actual better winning percentage in national championship games than his overall winning percentage, which is a crazy stat, you know, like, how is that even possible? Because you're playing the best team in the final and he's got a better winning percentage than his overall percentage, which is already amazing. But he attributes a lot of that to these letters that he writes to his seniors right before that game that are not anything to do with them as players, but what their human contribution is to the team. And so the way he does it is he, he writes the letters the night before, he delivers the letters to the seniors, he photocopies them all, and he asks the seniors to leave right before the pregame, step out of their locker room, he reads them each to the rest of the team, and now that whole team is going out in that national championship game really fired up to send off these seniors with a national championship the performance of those letters i think sort of speaks for itself yeah no doubt about it and you know i'm starting to think about the fact that part of his video speech that you'll see on the training ground talks about kelly muldoon and then how he wanted to create this sort of self-evaluation and then this other player evaluation and becky i think about myself as an 18 19 20 year old and I don't think I could self-evaluate myself, let alone 22 other players. I mean, that's incredible buy-in. Did he explain how he got that buy-in to do something like that? Because that's very elaborate. Well, I think one of the things Anson does a great job of is sort of uh, undressing the truth of situations with his players. And so if, you, if you're a player at Carolina or any place that you're a high performer, you want to know where your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think this 360 view that he creates by having the players evaluate one another is a pretty good way of doing that. Because as you said, like we can all have our own blind spots to our own character because we're judging ourselves on our intentions. 
and everybody else is judging us on what actually happens. And sometimes those two things are very different. <laughs> and so I think that his ability to create that, closing that gap between what really is and what we might perceive of ourselves is really important. And that's one of the things we tried to do with this edition of the training ground is to put a way that people could actually take this into their program. So we've included a download that has a list of character skills with definitions, because I think it's really important that everybody's operating from the same definition. Otherwise, you know, if I say positive and you say positive, who knows what that means. But then also we give you a downloadable form that you can use where you can pick the character skills maybe that you want to be known for and write those into this form and then have your own self-evaluation as well as your peer evaluation on those character skills. And one of the things I like to add to it, I don't think this part is in the training ground, but I think it's a really cool thing is if you ask your athletes, when is it hardest to be those things that you list? Because that's where you have to go in those moments if you want to really embody that character skill. Because it's really easy to be positive when everything's going great, when you're winning and you're playing and you're starting. But can you be positive when maybe your team isn't as successful? Maybe you aren't playing the role that you want to play. So it, it, once you identify when it's the hardest, you can then, as a coach, help partner with that athlete to help them be their best self in those moments. We're here with What Drives Winning, Becky Burley, who, uh, remind you, won a national championship as the head coach of Florida. She has Anson Dorrance, perhaps in a different perspective, because you also have the video element as well. I want to make sure people can find this when it's up on the training ground. Is it labeled grading character? Does it have a different label? What did you call it, Becky? Yeah, we called it grading character. I do believe it's also going to appear in the soccer journal. What's neat about these things is it's it's one thing to be able to, to watch something. It's another thing to be able to try and apply it to your team. And I think that's what we're trying to shoot for is like, let's make what some of these great coaches are doing accessible to other people in their own environments. Becky, before we say goodbye, I think what you're doing at What Drives Winning, I, I find it inspirational because I can see it in your heart and I can see that it's brought you so much life post-coaching career. Where can people learn more about What Drives Winning? Really easy, Dean. It's just whatdriveswinning.com. And it has been really inspirational. And, and one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, we try to put out a piece of content every day on Twitter, and that's just at at WDW Convo, at WDW Convo. And that's because I think for me, like, you know, I was a very young head coach. I had some excellent people around me, like Anson and other great mentors that really helped me along the way. But I, I also realized that not everybody is as lucky to have those people around them. Sometimes you can feel really isolated as a head coach, whether you're a young head coach or a seasoned head coach. I think one of my thoughts around what drives winning is how do we provide resources that are accessible to coaches that might not have the ability to have, you know, a network around them right from the start. It's like getting an education from other coaches and even other coaches in other sports to expand our perspective a little bit, to just get resources that you might not have access to. Like there's a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast that might not be able to call Anson and talk directly to him. But providing resources like this give you an opportunity to get like a little insight that you might not necessarily get to see. What Drives Winning, whatdriveswinning.com. Becky Burley, a favorite like Anson Dorrance at the convention within the association. Check her out at whatdriveswinning.com. And let me just end by saying, I understand that What Drives Winning has a compensatory 
part of it. But Becky, you could easily sail off into the sunset and say, see you later. But I think your message is you want to continue to help people be better. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just know how like overwhelming it can be to be a, a young head coach that's just getting into it because, you know, and especially now, I mean, shoot, I was lucky. The job was a little simpler at the time I started. Now the job is really, really complex. And to have the ability to give somebody a head start on that, that's something that I'm really passionate about. Well, it comes out and that's why you're always welcome. And as you continue to deliver to the training ground, we'll continue to open our doors to you on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Grading character with Anson Dorrance submitted by Becky Burley with What Drives Winning. Check it out on the training ground. As she mentioned, you also see it in the Soccer Journal. Great segment, Becky. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dean. We wrap up our show meeting another 30 under 30 member, Noah Rhodes, when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to yet another jam-packed edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And we end with my favorite part of the show as we meet another great member of our 30 under 30 class. He's Noah Rhodes, who just got hired for the University of South Florida, working for Denise and Chris Brown, which is awesome. D1 in the American Conference. Noah Rhodes, 30 under 30 member. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, let's talk about this big hiring because I know that uh, you were somewhere else. How long have you been on the job with USF? couple weeks, I guess. Been in Pittsburgh the last few years, Washington and Jefferson College up there on the midside and got some really good experience there and was able to, to end up down here in South Florida and a lot better weather. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love that. In fact, uh, USF under Denise and Chris, they used to actually pay to have the Fox Soccer Game of the Week sponsored by then named NSCAA. So I love those two. So you're going to enjoy that for sure. And speaking of enjoyment, I was really pleased to hear that you sent in a video application, which is pretty cool. Talk about why you decided to make your application video. I just kind of thought that it would be a little bit more personable, I guess, if somebody could actually see me and also feel like you can talk about a lot more in a couple minutes on video than you can just typing stuff out. So that was kind of my main thought behind it was just so somebody could actually see me, understand what I'm saying. I talk with my hands a lot. So I communicate better, I guess, through in-person and video than just over text. One of the things I found fascinating, Noah, about you is you didn't really play that much. You know, in fact, you even said growing up, there were not many opportunities to play. So tell me how much you did play. And I think more importantly, Tell me how you knew you wanted to be a coach. I grew up in like Southern West Virginia, so it was very rural. I did not actually play soccer until I was like a sophomore in high school. So I had a super late start, but immediately fell in love with the sport. And whenever I kind of graduated, I was like, you know, didn't want to be done with soccer, I guess, but I didn't necessarily want to go on and play. So ended up just getting straight into coaching. And I was an assistant coach at the high school I graduated from for like a year, then became like girls head coach. Next year I was like girls head coach and the boys head coach. And so just kind of like 
took off and tried to to grow some soccer in an area where it's not really big and not the most popular sport. So you're telling me even before you were 20 or right at 20, you were a head coach at a high school in West Virginia. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So I was an assistant coach at 18 and pretty much like as soon as that fall season ended, I was actually hired. So I was like a head coach at 18, but then actually kind of have a season until the following season, whenever I was 19. Definitely a different approach than, than most people. <laughs> I would say most people go on to play. Um, so it was it was unique but it provided me with some really good opportunities to, to learn. And, you know, looking back then, I'm like, man, I thought I knew everything. And I'm just like, God, I didn't know anything kind of thing. But it gave me an opportunity to experiment. And I think that that really helped me grow as a coach early on. One of the things you said on your video application is one of your main goals is to instill fun back in the game. That's so refreshing. Can you elaborate on that, Noah? I think that having fun is like super important. And I feel like it's... uh a long lost pillar at times. I feel like sometimes when we're coaching, we get so caught up in the wins and losses and just, I would say the more typical day-to-day stuff and kind of forget, hey, you know, at the end of the day, I'm very lucky because I'm going to coach a sport that I love. I'm coaching a game and soccer is a game and that's from the youngest level up to the, to the highest level. It's still a game, no matter what division or what professional youth level, anything like that. I think that having fun is very important. It's what the athletes want to do. Nobody likes to show up and not have fun. So I've just tried to kind of instill that at every every stop I've been from youth through college. I like that take. And then on a more serious note, when you are asked, and again, you did this through video, what the most important challenge you are facing and how do you work to overcome it? You came up with a big topic that everybody is covering right now, and that is periodization. Can you break down why that was so important to you? Yeah, so I think that like periodization is huge. I would say that I had no idea what periodization was whenever I first started coaching. And just, you know, as I've learned over the last few years and just kind of realized how diverse of a topic it is, and you can really go down a rabbit hole, but I think that it's super, super important for the game and for like managing loads and understanding what my sessions are doing to a player, you know, kind of like how long do they actually need to recover from the session we had today is huge. And it kind of helps me as a coach understand when to pull back, you know, when can I go more, but also really cultivates player development as well. Because if we're not periodizing correctly, then obviously player development could be negatively affected just like overtraining. That's not exactly where we want to be at. What a great story. Noah Rhodes doesn't start playing soccer until he's a sophomore, falls in love with it, hangs around the high school, becomes the assistant coach, takes over as the head coach, becomes the Southern West Virginia Boys Soccer Coach of the Year in back-to-back years, 2018 and 19. You clearly take education serious. Tell me if I have this right. U.S. Soccer C license, check, right? Yes. U.S. Youth Futsal 1 and 2 diplomas, check, right? Yes. Scottish FA certificates yep, and currently part of the advanced national with United soccer coaches. So you're right. You're all in on coaching and coaching education. <laughs> you want to become a better coach. Education's huge. And especially for me coming from like a non-playing background, I feel like it's kind of more required of me, you know, like I wasn't exposed to the training environment in a college team or in a professional environment, anything like that. So I've like really invested a lot of money and a lot of time 
into coaching development through like certificates and licensures, but also through kind of like mentorships and getting to know other coaches and making the most of the connections I have to, to learn and grow as well. And Noah Rhodes, you also said in your video application, when asked if you're accepted, how would you use this opportunity to impact your soccer community? And even with all of that education that we just talked about, you said, number one, I want to fill gaps in my knowledge of coaching. So you're always looking for the complete package as a coach. Definitely. I mean, I feel like you can always grow. You can always learn more. I'm like 25 and I just look back like last year and I'm just kind of like the growth I've had over this past year is crazy. But looking back last year, I looked back and I was like, man, I grew so much this year. So it's just kind of like really interesting to look back of where I came from and the like soccer knowledge and background I had and to like where I'm at now. And I'm still just like, I have so much like more to go and just going to keep chucking on and see where it takes me. With full respect to West Virginia, I'm from Ohio. I went to Athens, Ohio. We had a lot of great formals in Parkersburg. I like West Virginia, but let's face it, USF is a whole different climate, a whole different world. That's a big climb in a short time. How in the world did you make that happen? How did you catch the attention of the Browns, this great wife and husband team down at USF on the women's side? I like to think I'm just really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I really just think that it's it's just putting in the hard work. I've really dedicated pretty much my whole life to this and whole, whole I'd say, career life to this. And, you know, my wife is super supportive, so she understands. And I've made like very little money for multiple years just getting the experience and you know going after the certifications and everything like that so that way I can kind of set myself up so I am lucky to have a nice support system that that is behind me on that and you know I just think that if you're willing to work hard and continuously like adapt and evolve to the changing climates of you know youth soccer just soccer in general the college scene that definitely think if you do all that, that good things will happen well good things happen to good people and you're clearly good people and if you've listened to any of my other interviews with the 30 under 30 that leads me directly to that crystal ball question because here you are now at usf you're d1 making it happen under the browns that great husband and wife team 15 years from now noah Rhodes, where do you want to be looking back five years i would have been like yeah i'd love to be a d1 did I ever think I'd be a D1 in five years? No, <laughs> I never thought I'd reach here. Like, I never thought I'd even, like, be coaching college. I was just coaching high school, and, you know, like, yeah, I'd love to do that. So I guess I'll see where the path takes me. I just hope that whenever I look back 15 years from now that I could be like, you know, this is where you were. You've came this far. You've made this amount of impact on, like, this many people's lives and soccer-wise. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be the college game, maybe beyond. Maybe I'll be in the youth scene. I just just hope I'm making an impact with soccer somewhere. Sometimes less is more and you just figure it out and take the doors that open for you. I've got to check real quick. Were you at Philadelphia at the convention? And if you were, what was the best part of it? Yeah, I was. Honestly, I think that it was just like everything, all the different sessions. So I could kind of like bounce off, you know, ideas and things that maybe how I could use that session or adapt that session. That was that was super awesome, I thought. Finally, Noah, as a member of this esteemed group, 15 amazing men, 15 amazing women, all under the auspices of United Soccer Coaches. When you hear those three words, United Soccer Coaches, what does that organization mean to Noah Rhodes? Yeah, honestly, I think that United Soccer Coaches, to me, uh, means a lot. What they've done for me in my coaching career has been very, very helpful. 
been fortunate to be a part of this 30 under 30 group and also the other educational courses I've taken through them has helped me really grow as a coach and plan to continue to utilize those opportunities. And I hope to become more involved in like a larger skill scene, just kind of give back in any opportunity that I can, honestly, because I really love the association and I'm very fortunate to receive what it's given me so far. Noah Rhodes, great to have you on. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate you having me on. Great to meet Noah. Apologize for some of the audio difficulty on his part of the Zoom, but glad he made it. What a jam-packed show. It was awesome. Hope you felt the same way. I want to thank Bailey Conklin, Brandon Milburn, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. Have to thank my producer, Colin Thrash. And of course, I want to thank all of you, the great members. Once again, my name is Dean Linke, and I'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.